It is Locked On Jazz for the 10th of January. Donovan Mitchell returns. Let's look back. Some of the fun little notes we may have forgotten about his run in Utah and how you might slow him down tonight. Plus, retro on the weekend. Lowry's massive offensive explosion and Ochai and Walker making rookie strides. Ringer's top 100 is out. How many Jazz players are in it? Plus, late game watch. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are available on all podcasting apps, as well as on YouTube. Join the conversation on YouTube. Please subscribe to all of them. If you're on YouTube, hit that little bell and get notified every time we go live. Donovan Mitchell returns tonight. It's going to be fun, exciting, great energy in the building tonight as Ryan Smith, a celebration of Donovan's Five years in Utah and what he brought us. It's I went back last night in preparation to kind of retro the run. And it's an interesting kind of look back at the three-time All-Star and what he, how many times he kind of revitalized us, the what-ifs to it, the Rudy relationship. Um, so I want to take a second to do that, then we'll touch on some jazz items for the weekend. Ringer's Top 100 just came out. We'll do that as well. Um, and then some interesting late-game watches, if time permits. Uh, today's show is brought to you in part by Prize Picks. Today, uh, first-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. That's prizepicks.com, promo code LOCKEDON. So Donovan, three-time All-Star for us. It was 12 days after he was drafted that Gordon Hayward kind of ripped our hearts out and left to go to Boston. And there was really, I mean, that was a desolate time. That was also a feeling of like, if we can't keep Gordon Hayward, who can we keep? And if Rodney Hood's our best player, oh dear. Like, it it was desperate times. And then, it feels like at the Huntsman Center is my memory. Um, I think the... Uh, Vivint was under construction. Uh, at the Huntsman Center, Donovan just goes bananas in the summer league and like immediately gives us hope. And I re- and and then my recollection on that was like, gosh, wow, this is you know he's incredible, quite a burden. Uh, Dante Exum, I think, also played well, and so it was like this kind of feeling of like, wow, like it's still summer league, but there was something, there was a pizzazz, and there was a bounce. And there was this incredible willingness to take the burden, which I think both on and off the court is kind of the signature of his five years in Utah and, and the youngster that he is was at the time and the maturing adult that we watched him become is that he was willing to be like, all right, well, I didn't know that I was actually coming out for the draft. The story at the time was that Paul George and Chris Paul and him had all worked out together and they told him he was ready. He, he had not... You know, if you recall, he had been benched in January of that year by Rick Bettino at Louisville. Um, so this was, you know, quite a quantum leap to then become the go-to guy uh, for an NBA franchise that quickly. And then, if you recall, Rodney Hood 
gets sick and can't start opening night. Rodney Hood's announced to the crowd as the starter, and he's not he's nowhere to be seen. So Quinn Snyder looks down to Donovan and says, All right, let's go. And Donovan then starts and becomes the starter on opening night accidentally. And starts brutally. Like, these are the things I think we forget about his run. He starts brutally. He's 13 of his first 53, three of his first 18. He goes to Philly to play Ben Simmons, goes three for 21 with one assist, is being lambasted for being not passing. He's 11 games into his career. He's shooting 34% from the field. 32% from three. And there is real concern that he is being stretched well beyond anything he's capable of and that he's in, that he's in over his head. And I'll, I remember watching him work out with Johnny Bryant before games. And he would, he would work on something in that either morning session or before games and implement it that night. It was incredible. Like, you just don't see it. You usually see guys work on things for months and months and months and months, and then he would implement it. And it was like, oh, this is, he's different. And so the opening, like, when I look back at Donovan's five years in Utah, I look at three things. I look at the amount of times he, like, revitalized us as a fan base, a community, and we'll get to that. Two, his his kind of his remarkable willingness to take the burden both on and off the court and three is growth, right? He, he's not drafted as a top five pick at all. And then by the end of that year, you know, the, then there's the breakout game. I actually was sick. Steve Klauke called it. He scored 41 against new Orleans. And you're like, Oh, okay. Um, Oklahoma city game six, he drops 38 as a rookie and takes down Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Pfft, ridiculous. He then has, you know, he has a tough playoff series that next year in Houston. And then the next year, he kind of matures. He gets better. I think he goes from like 20 to 24 points a game, second year in the league. So little murmur, like, why isn't he taking the jump? And it was like, well, because he took it his first year. But he gets better. And then he, he busts in the playoffs against Houston in 18, 19, a second year player. He shoots 32% and 26%. And the 2020 season is all about him learning from that. And he does that, and and then COVID hits. And COVID's laden with all sorts of stuff, right? He gets it. Does he get it from Rudy? Did he get it from Marcus Smart when he was out with Marcus Smart in Boston? Did he get Who knows? We'll never know, right? But we didn't know at the time. There was so much lack of knowledge. Huge frustration that Rudy was lackadaisical with some of the protocols and gave it, you know, and the thought was gave it to Donovan. Um, and so there's, you know, there's just all that. And the team goes to the bubble, Quinn kind of rebuilds the camaraderie of the group and Donovan has the bubble explosion. And that's the second time I would say that he really like uplifted us, gave, revitalized us. That was a, that was a tough time, right? We were, we were in the middle of COVID and things weren't right. The world didn't feel good. NBA came back for us uh, in this weird bubble and Donovan was just electric, absolutely electric. And then I would say the fourth storyline of his career. So if his career is this kind of growth and this burden And this last part is what if, what if probably, 
you know, third year in the league is too soon for this, but that Game 7 start against Denver, the Milwaukee stoppage uh, where they don't come out and play uh, because of the police violence in, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and suddenly that backs up the series and that gets Gary Harris back and the Jazz lose their mojo. Like the what if Clippers are a disaster and want to get out of the bubble for the next series, could have we made the Western Conference Finals? And the first of the what-ifs really is that first half against Denver in Game 7 of that playoff series. We, we just didn't come to play. You know, in the, one of the most important games of the year, we just, the team, the group, for whatever reason, that group that did not come to play, which is, you know, super hard to understand. 2021 is where Ryan Smith started on his list of things about Donovan. They carry us to the best record of the NBA. And this is, so it's another growth step. He comes out of the bubble in 2021. He averages 26 points, four rebounds, five assists. He's really remarkable. 44% from the field, 39% from three. He 85% from the line. He, he's incredible the whole year. And he is at his peak. He's got a five-game run where he averaged 37 points a game late in mid-April. The season's off time a little bit. His 15 games prior to April 16th, he's averaging 31 points. Um, he's just, he's had nine of those 15 games. He's over 30, four of them. He's over 40. He's shooting 48% from the field, 39% from three. He's as good as he's ever been. And he sprains his ankle on April 16th. Ed Sumner of Indiana gets under him and he doesn't play again for the regular rest of the regular season. He misses game one against Memphis. And like, there it is again. There's the what if like the, that's to me is the great, the number one record in the NBA Donovan, for the 15 games prior to that injury, is averaging 31 points a game. He's averaging, he's shooting 48% and 39% from three. He's really the player he is right now. Then, for the first time, he was absolutely superstar caliber, elite, elite level, and looked like he was ready to carry the Jazz to the NBA Finals, sprains that ankle. He is... I mean, it's hard to say he wasn't quite right. He drops 45 and 37 in the game one, two wins against the Clippers. We then lose four straight. We fall apart. And frankly, that's the end of it then. We'll, we'll all think of this offseason as when we made the trades. But that was the end of the run right then. The, the, the soul of the team was broken. They never overcame their scars from the Denver game seven, from the Clipper four game losses in a row, um, from all just kind of the sideshow aspects of that. Um, last year, you know, we have this memory of like last year being completely awful. He gets super hot in the middle of December, averages 29 points a game for a 12-game stretch, shoots 50-36. Again, kind of right where he is right now. We're 10-2 and two in that stretch. We're 26-9 and nine on the season. Like, it's still there. And then COVID hits. They lose in Detroit. Rudy makes the Devin Booker comments. Donovan doesn't come back quite right. Donovan misses two games right after Christmas with a sore back, like at the peak of where he is, and we never quite come back around um, from that. So that's the the run I remember, the four kind of picking us up, revitalizing us the three times right after Gordon, right after COVID and in that best record season. His willingness to take the burden of being the number one guy, of trying to carry, of getting better after the Houston playoff series, and then off the court as well. You know, he, he was with us in an interesting period of time. George Floyd, Black Lives Matters, and he took the burden. In a predominantly white state, he took the burden of being conservative state to say, you know, these are the things I'm seeing that aren't wrong, and if you're somebody out there that's being victimized, uh, we'll be there to support you. 
and the sad bullying story in Davis County, the things of that nature. He was there to say, you know, here's your voice. I'm the most recognizable person in the marketplace and I'm willing to be here to support you. He took that burden as a 24, 25 year old kid. It's pretty remarkable. It's pretty admirable, actually. It's really what I think we would hopefully raise all of our kids to be the one who's actually willing to take these burdens. And then the growth. I mean, he, and the growth is peaking out right now. He's just exceptional uh, right now. And then no question that final piece of the puzzle of Donovan's run is he even said uh, in a quote from Phoenix is, what if? You know, there's the what if. The, the injury on April 16th of 2021, somehow whether that group could have gotten together last year. I mean, I even look at it now still, frankly. The, the West has no dominant team. There's, there's no elite level to anything right now. I just wonder if there was some way you could have held it for another year. And it, it wasn't there. Danny Ainge said it well. Like, the team didn't, didn't have a zest. Quinn didn't have any juice left. You know, could have Will Hardy let it. Who knows? Um, we'll never know. But it, it, it leads us with a bunch of what ifs. And now he's, you know, now he's great. Like, his first... 12 games of the season, he averaged 32, 5, and 6. His first 23 games, he averaged 29, 4, and 5. He's quietly cooled. His last 10 games with the 71-point game in there, he's averaging 27 points and only shooting 44% and only 33% from three. He's quietly cooled um, a little bit, but his off-the-bounce three is the difference. Last year, he shot 36% from three, and this year, he's shooting 44. So we'll talk a little bit how you slow him. Uh, we'll get into some of the jazz stuff left over from the weekend. There's still a lot there. T- Ringer Top 100 came out. We're loaded today. Ton of stuff. Donovan's return should be a fun night. Uh, a celebration of his five years in Utah, an opportunity to to thank him for that revitalization that he gave us on multiple occasions, that run to the best record, and uh, a, you know, a chance for us to think a little bit about, like, gosh, what if, what, what could have been uh, in that run, which is always the case if you don't win the title uh, along the way. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross. Also up in Logan, the Chevy lineup of cars is absolutely remarkable. The trucks are the Colorado and the Silverado and the Silverado is the big monster power truck with the incredible luxury in it, the Colorado, more zippy. The SUV lineup is super solid as well. Starts with the Blazer and the Trailblazer. Of course, it's got the Utah County Assault vehicles, the Tahoe and the Suburban, and then the tracks there as well. It's all over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street. Also, excuse me, located in Woods Cross, also located in Linden. If you're going to stop by, please do, please let me know first so we can set up a meeting for you and give you the Murdoch Locked On VIP treatment going over at Murdoch Chevy. You also right now, by the way, uh, all sorts of cash allowance givebacks uh, to you on the Silverado and the SUVs as well. Um, and there's the first ever all-electric Silverado available in the fall of 2023, so reserve yours. Now, today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, where with a $100 deposit, you can end up getting a... Uh, $100 back. That's right. Here's how it works for you with prize picks. 100% deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. It's very simple and easy to play prize picks. You pick two to six players. If they score more or less than the prize picks projection, that's your choice. Then you could win up to 25 times your money on your entry. No competing against other people. It's you against the projections. Every sport's available, including disc golf. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals currently operational in 30 states or more. So download the prize picks app. Go to prizepicks.com. Sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users receive 100% instant deposit match. Up to $100 with a promo code LOCKED ON. If you deposit $100, you get $150, Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for a deposit match up to $100.
Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are available on all podcasting platforms. And your second listen today, make sure you go listen to Locked on Sports today, a rundown of all the big important things happening in the sports world in 22 minutes. All right. Um, how do you slow down Don? Let's get to the game. So they they do run a little bit different stuff with him because they have Darius Garland. Um, they'll run him. You know, it's not that different than actually, frankly, having Mike Conley, but Garland's a bigger scorer. Garland will take the ball a little bit more. So what you'll see from, from Don is a little bit more coming from off the ball into his shots and into his actions. And he's a super catch-and-shoot shooter over the last few years. He's not as good right now for whatever kind of weird reason. Um, his off-the-bounce three shot is amazing. He'll, they'll run about the same amount of picks between Garland and Donovan throughout the night. So it's kind of a one-to-one ratio. Karis LeVert gets a little bit. Donovan will run a few more with Jared Allen. Darius Garland will run a few more with Evan Mobley. Donovan and Jared Allen have the combo going. They're, they're up there in the elite combinations of the NBA. He and Mobley have it going a little bit as well. I mean, this is where he understands how to play with a role big, better than most. Garland is <clears throat> actually almost better on small, small switches with Donovan or working with Kevin Love on a pop because he's just so small. So it's kind of, they've, uh, JB Bickerstaff is kind of figuring out what the right ways to do it. They're running a lot of Donovan ISO on the left side of the floor. They let Donovan go get it on the left side of the floor, and then he comes to his right hand to the middle about two to one right now. He about about 64 to 30, 67 to 33 percent. He'll come to the right side on his drives, um, and he's and they're playing him a little bit of an ISO on the left side. He wants that step back out of that, and if he goes to his right, he's a little bit better um, than if he goes to his left. And you've got to get up on him and take away that step back. And then when you do, they'll bring the picks um, a little bit to that. So, And then on the ISO stuff, he's pretty good right now. He's, he's rolling. Um, and that's that same left side of the floor. Uh, on isolations right now, he's the 34th most common. So not a huge percentage, but he's 16 out of the top 69. He's the seventh best in the pick and roll. Only Doncic, Durant, Curry, Alec Burks, DeMar DeRozan, and Eric Gordon, of all things, are better. Uh, the one thing he's not doing well is shooting it off the off the bounce. Excuse me, off the catch and shoot. Uh, the off the bounce step back, you've got to find a way uh, to take that away from him. All right, I want to jump in a few things jazz-related from over the weekend because we played that Friday, uh, we played that Thursday. I didn't do a show Friday, and we had the Saturday, and I kind of tried to jam it in the backside of the Ryan Smith interview and didn't do a very good job of it yesterday. Special thanks again to Ryan if you didn't catch that yesterday. It's available to you. I'll link it to you at the end of the show um, so you can grab it. Uh... So one is Lowry's 49-point outburst, but then his overall weekend, Will Hardy just talked about his ability and his versatility in scoring inside of a game and how he can adapt. You know, the thing that Will Hardy loved about the 49-point game was he misses eight straight threes and scores 25 points. And there's a bunch of elements to this. One is he missed eight straight threes and he kept playing and kept shooting which shows he's beginning to understand that he's the number one guy. And I tried to get into this yesterday. His teammates also now understand he's the number one guy. So that's a big evolution for this for this team that started the year with no idea what the pecking order was and whose show it is. And they're, they got to keep the ball moving. They can't just suddenly stop and, and give it to Lowry because Lowry's not a... His numbers on isolation are unbelievable, but they're really just because he's picking his spots to go. Like he's only done 88 isolations all year long. He's actually the best in the NBA at it. 
But if you compare that to like Clarkson, 262, some of this is just because he's picking his spot and when he has a matchup that's so good, he does it or not. He And he still hasn't learned, you know, it's pretty high to the ground uh, at seven feet. So as he's trying to drive and work on guys on an ISO or how to own his space in those plays, that's still kind of new territory for him that he has to learn here um, to be able to, to add that to his game. So we're seeing that, but we're also... You know, we're going to see how the team evolves and making sure they don't become too Lowry dependent. But it's been pretty interesting to watch very impressively as he kind of becomes the man, understands his role there, and the versatility that he's having throughout a game in the different ways he scores, whether it's out on the break, off an offensive rebound, catch and shoot. He gets He's elite level catch and shoot, and he's one of the league leaders. In catch and shoot, he's taken, uh, I think he's taking the fourth most catch-and-shoot threes of any player in the NBA right now per night. Um, Clay Thompson's getting eight. Buddy Heald's getting seven. Max Struess is getting 6.5. And Lowry Markin's getting 6.3. Beasley's getting 6.2. Um, and Lowry's at 42.6%. Uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins is better. Buddy Heald is better right now by just a, a notch. But that's about it. George Niang's at 43%. And Devin Vassell's at 47 But of the top 50 guys, there are not many guys that are better than Lowry right now. Um, at that catch and shoot, and you can't take away that shooting window. So you're seeing the multitude of ways. Um, Ochai Abaji, that was pretty great. Uh, five, you know, Will Hardy suddenly out of nowhere says it's time for Ochai to play. And then out of nowhere, Ochai can't miss a shot. After not making a shot in the G League, he goes and buries his corner threes and is absolutely terrific. The things I think are more important than the shooting, he's not going to be able to do that shooting-wise, is contributing in other ways. He set some really good picks and read some offense really well in the first game. He had a super pass in the second good game he had. Um, he's got to rebound and defend a little bit. His defensive numbers are pretty good right now, and they've got to stay up to where they are. Um, so the shooting, I'm a little nervous to get super excited when the shooting is, you know, you can't be a 90% shooter, but the fa- if he can be a 40% knockdown shooter, play with some athleticism, he had a nice left-hand drive. Can he have a, can he have a consistent right-hand drive where you can give him the ball off pin down, have him drive right-handed? Just basic fundamental steps in his game right now. And I think we're going to get to see him for the next 40 games develop. And it's pretty nice. you got Lowry. you got Ochai contributing. You've got three first-round draft picks and two pick swaps. And, and the guy on the other side, they're as happy as can be. That's a pretty cool trade um, on a win-win on both sides of that deal. Uh, so pretty great. The other one, Walker, who I thought looked super tired and exhausted and like he'd hit the wall, had a fabulous game last night. His Some of his data's great. Um, and some of it's that the Jazz have protected him really well. I mean, he's still just not strong enough and he gets pinned underneath the basket in certain times and he's got guys that are beating him up. But within six feet right now, players are shooting 12 percentage points below average when he's the closest defender. That's the ninth best in the NBA as a rookie. That's pretty great. Overall shooting guys are shooting of the top 100 players who've defended shots. He's the 12th best in the NBA um, as teams are shooting four percentage points or players are shooting four percentage points below their expected value on those shots. Those are incredible numbers for a guy that, you know, is learning on the fly, going through it. Um, and I think he's exhausted and I don't know that you rest him. I think you just drive him to all-star break let him rest there and then see what he can do on the backside of the season. But he is he is showing every indicator of being a terrific pickup by the Jazz. And the defense is now eight and a half points better when he's on the floor than off the floor. Um, that's pretty incredible. Um, and the defensive shooting accuracy when he's in the game is five percentage less good points, less good at the rim 
than when he's off the on the floor versus off the floor. Uh, so pretty exciting stuff with Walker Kessler uh, right now. So those three pickups in the offseason, three major pieces for the Jazz as they move this thing forward. Uh, pretty darn impressive. Today's show also is brought to you also by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online, the uh, where it all begins for you with uh, great fun. Uh, opportunities for you with odds, news, and scores. Get over to betonline.net and see what you got. NFL playoffs are upon us. Here are the lines if you want to get in on the action with the NFL this weekend. Seahawks are a 10-point dog against the Niners. The Chargers are a one-point favorite in Jacksonville on Saturday. Sunday, Buffalo is a 10.5-point favorite over Miami. The Vikings are a three-point favorite over the Giants. Whereas the Cincinnati Bengals are a six and a half point favorite at home over the Ravens in our final one, the Cowboys favored against Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Tonight for the Jazz and the Cavaliers, the Jazz are a three point dog to the Cavaliers with the over under at 226 and a half and the Cavs by three. That's all at betonline.net where the game starts. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Game to Game is out. The run-through of all things in the NBA for you. Super fun. Make sure you go grab it and take part in uh, all the excitement that is NBA Game to Game uh, with all the uh, local experts giving you the one-minute breakdowns of each and every game, making you feel like you went to every single game uh, that night. Um, Ringer Top 100. We aren't going to get to late game watch today. Ringer Top 100 came out. Uh, We'll get to it tomorrow. I got to, I mean... Stockpiled a bunch of games. Atlanta, I got some thoughts on the Clippers. Giannis did some things last night that was super impressive. Um, so we'll get to it. Um, the top 100 came out by Ringer today. I don't know how you do the top nine or eight or nine or eight. Really the top eight. They did Giannis, Jokic, Curry, Doncic, Durant, Embiid, Tatum, LeBron. LeBron's probably right at eight, but that's, be careful there. Giannis is probably right at one because he defends. Curry, on the other end, very well just go, maybe, I, I, think is the, I think the Warriors are the favorite in the West right now. Like, Curry just go might want to just win another title right now. Jokic and Doncic are unstoppable. Durant's totally unstoppable. He's defending actually better than either Doncic or Jokic right now. And Bede's pretty unstoppable. He defends better than both of them. I'm not sure where you put him. And Tatum's the MVP of the league. Like, I'm not entirely sure that's true. But you got my point. The next tier is Anthony Davis, who was dominant before he went out, which also the Lakers, as terrible as they are, they make a right move or two here at the trade deadline. They have two of the top 10 players in the NBA going into Western Conference playoffs that's wide open. Like, it's not crazy. So AD, then Zion, then Jaw, then Devin Booker, and then Donovan Mitchell at 13, Shea Gilgis-Alexander at 14, and Paul George at 15. I wonder if Paul George really is still 15. Probably. From a Jazz standpoint, three guys made the list. Lowry Markinen made it at 33. Pretty great for the truth. You can be, first of all, you can be that good, he's been amazing, and be 33rd is a tribute to the talent in the NBA. They have him, at, uh, the guys ahead of him are Drew Holiday, Carl Anthony Towns, De'Aaron Fox, Kyrie Irving, Darius Garland, Trey Young, Bam Adebayo, Demata Sabonis. 
You can quibble if you want to. You wouldn't quibble if he wasn't a Jazz player. Guys, he's ahead of Desmond Bain, Draymond Green, Anthony Edwards, Bradley Beal, Andrew Wiggins, DeJounte Murray, Jeremy Grant. He's better than those guys. Bradley Beal is just a mystery. So 33 for Lowry and probably projecting to keep moving up that list. Though that's a, those guys we just mentioned are all super good. Like Brandon Ingram's at 24. That's kind of a player I think he's most similar to right now, except for the fact he's efficient and Brandon Ingram's not. Lowry is also the third best rim defender in the NBA right now. Maybe maybe some unique numbers in there because it doesn't seem like that's the case, I, but it's worth noting. So maybe he should be a little bit higher. The eye-opener on this list or let me just give one more jazz player, and then before we'll get to the eye-opener on this list, to me, and I'm sure you all know where I'm going. So then Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson jump in in the 80s. Conley at 84 and Clarkson at 85. I think that's a tribute to the jazz winning. Players that are behind them are Jordan Poole, Alex Caruso, uh, Zubak in LA, Kayvon Looney, RJ Barrett, Bobby Portis, Tobias Harris, 92, Benedict Matherin, 93, Norm Powell, 94. Um... By the way, R.J. Barrett, 90, Lowry Markin in 33, but sure, the Knicks package was better. Um, good read by Danny Ainge in the front office right there. So, the other one that's interesting is that Rudy Gobert is now 48th. The fate of Rudy Gobert this year, we'll see how long this lasts. At some point, I'd still believe that, that you know, I believed in Brooklyn as this like dominant number one seeded team three years ago and kind of have had to eat crow about it for two years and kind of have, have, have held on to it and you know still might turn out to be accurate. I, I kind of am doing the same with Minnesota right now that I'm trying not to let recency bias skew my viewpoint. Um, but Rudy dropping to 48, there, there are some data points and I've tried to, I kind of mentioned them on the night of the trade. Seth Partnow wrote about a few of them recently in Athletic. Um, and I, that are showing some real decline. And if in fact that decline is happening, I got to tell you what, unbelievable trade by the Jazz, which I think it is anyway, but the reading at the time, uh, by D- Danny Ainge on that one may turn out to be an all time historic, great read. Um, One last thing, and that is that Tony Jones, two things. Tony Jones of The Athletic wrote a a fabulous piece um, with some real honesty about Donovan's role in our community and um, what, you know, what Tony as a black man um, has experienced. And um, I thought it was super interesting. of what he said, very positive about his 15 years in Utah, but also talked about like, here's what he wrote. This I thought this was a wonderful paragraph. He said, um, he, I'll take just, because it's under a paywall and I thought it was important, I'll, I'll take a second and read it to wrap up the show. As an African-American, I, this is Tony Jones writing, I understand part of where Donovan came from, the multiple issues that made him uncomfortable, the tragic story of Izzy Tashernow being an example, along with the Jazz having to ban a fan for racially charged comments toward Russell Westbrook, along with Utah Senator Stuart Adams chiding Mitchell for his stance on critical race theory, they also made me uncomfortable, writes Tony. As someone who's raising two daughters and as someone who is proud of my blackness, some of the same things that got under Mitchell's skin, they got 
under my skin as well. And that's why I don't blame Mitchell for that part of him wanting to get out of Utah. That being said, I've had a mostly wonderful experience living in Utah for 15 years. My oldest is now a freshman in college. My youngest will enter high school next year. My youngest has spent all of her life in Utah as well adjusted, has great friends. My oldest moved here when she was four, so she essentially spent all of her life here, although at the first opportunity she chose to go to school clear across the country. The elephant in the room is that as wonderful an experience as I've had here, and as much as I love my job and the state as a whole, Utah has a racism issue. The sooner we admit it, it's an issue, the sooner we can tackle the issues like human beings, exact, real, and meaning, and exact, real, and meaningful change. Mitchell is a unique case among jazz players, past and future, because he sought to make real and meaningful change. And just, and that just wasn't a battle he was going to win on his own. My saying this is not meant to diss Utah or Utahns because I've lived in a lot of places and I've seen a lot of races in my life and I've seen it up close and personal. The bigger issue isn't just that Utah has a racism issue to deal with. In 2023, that can be said for practically anywhere in the country. And in 2023, knowing some of those struggles my grandparents went through and some of the real elders in my family, the sadness, this saddens me more than anything. I've learned to deal with these things at face value. When I was a child and my mother moved to Detroit a few years, I was told her I'd heard a lot of crime and bad people. Her, her response was, there are good and bad people everywhere. It doesn't matter where you go. I was about eight at the time, and those words have always struck with me. And that did me a ton of good because it's always helped me look at the situation objectively. Mitchell became uncomfortable in Utah. That's no fault of the Jazz themselves who did everything they could and then some to make sure he was, he was happy. I don't e think either side deserves a ton of blame on this partnership that ultimately didn't work out. Good work, TJ. Uh, and congratulations to Sarah Todd of the Deseret News, who was named Sports Writer of the Year. Well-earned. Been fun to work with her. Watch her grow as a reporter. She's quite good. Does great work for the Deseret News. Uh, travel, traveling a ton right now. Uh, so congratulations to her as well. That is Locked on Jazz today. Thanks so very much for tuning in. Have a great one.